I'm Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. Okay, uh, everybody, Ingo and I are here again, and we have some updates, and um, we have some different topics that we're probably going to run off into. Pro- we'll probably like go down some rabbit holes, is my guess, in this one, uh, so it should be good. <laughs> finally, finally back at a pot, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So, Ingo, you were just talking about how you're going to try out this digital nomad thing. So, yeah, I want to hear more. Like, why are you wanting to do this? Why is now the right time? I'm curious to hear what what this is about. Yeah. So, I was thinking about it already the last two to three years and always kind of chewing on it because to be Honest, first of all, the idea sounds amazing, like working from everywhere, just travel to new places. You see all of the, the amazing pictures. And at the same time, living in Germany, especially winters and falls are pretty cold. And I'm not a winter person. I mm-hmm. really enjoy the, the heat, beach, sun. I'm not into winter sports. So um, there's this idea in my head that kind of traveling the world while working um would be would be amazing and i mean we have the the chance as kind of having this digital work to we have the possibility to work from from everywhere so the idea is already pretty um long in my head and the last three years i was doing a phd and from time to time, I needed to go to the university, talk to the professor, do some presentations. So there was not really the option to do it. Um, but now it's the first time where I'm like completely independent from from Germany. Um, mm-hmm. I don't need to go anywhere. So I really want to try it. And I'm super excited for it because, to be honest, the last half year was so exhausting um i think Mm -hmm. because it was end of phd in combination with the um startup thing and i don't know if it is just a vc backed startup thing but i have the feeling everyone um tells you how amazing everything is and i think from time to time it is the same for me when people ask me i'm like you know i have so much to do but it's a good thing because people uh things are moving um, there's there's a lot of exciting new possibilities, um, but to be very honest, it is just a ton of work. So after mm-hmm. working long hours and pretty much over the weekend and so on and so forth, I'm really looking forward to doing a fun thing, um, something yeah. for myself. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to that part. That's cool. That brings up another question that makes me want to ask you is like, do you think that you're enjoying the startup life? Like, are you enjoying like the hard work or like building a business? Like, cause it is hard. Like you're saying, do you think you are enjoying that or do you feel like burned um, out? I, it is a tough question. <laughs> um, but for me, the reason why I actually started listening to bootstrapping podcasts um, was it was like three years ago when I started listening to those podcasts. And the main reason I think was because people were also talking about the bad times and the challenges and that Mm -hmm. it is not always super easy. Um, So I try to also be, be honest. Um, I would say I am at least a little bit burned out. 
um, and it is tough the last couple of months. But I think the main reason is really the combination of the PhD. And I enjoy working at Mara and the startup Atom. It's super interesting, but I do not enjoy the academic world. I'm not super interested in refining my academic paper for the you just went through a full phd like yeah (laughs) at the beginning it sounded (laughs) yeah at the beginning it sounds amazing like you don't have to do those tests anymore you don't study for this one exam and then you can forget it but work on your own projects i thought okay i love building i love building my own stuff so having only three projects um seems to be amazing but then i figured out okay it's mostly about writing those papers and refining and mm-hmm. refining and refining the same text over and over again. And then you kind of submit your paper. Three months later, you get feedback from some random professors that uh, maybe they took three hours to read your paper to give you some high-level feedback. And then you kind of try to incorporate the feedback. Um, and then you start all over refining your papers again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So um, I think the honest answer is I do really enjoy the startup life. For me, it's super interesting. I love my team. That's super, super fun. But I do not enjoy kind of the academic world that much. And the combination, especially during the PhD over weekends and during evenings is just not that much fun um so i'm really counting counting the days and i'm literally <laughs> counting the days so i have a mes- measure tape and i think i started with it when the measure tape was around three meters and every centimeter is one day so every day i cut like uh-huh. one centimeter and oh, nice. now That's it is cool. yeah it's 20 centimeters left and then there's a final presentation and it's finally over and yeah. hopefully um, after that, it will be more startup and not thinking about any academic papers anymore. Yeah, that's that's nice. So I, I can see that. It's almost like you're burning the ends of both, like with candles at both ends. Yeah. And because you're doing this PhD, but then you're also like doing this startup, which takes a lot of time. But then like the PhD on top of that, I could see where that that could be just so much. It'd make you just so busy, so much overload. They could it could kind of make you not enjoy anything because you're just kind of too overworked, maybe. Um, so I bet when you stop doing the PhD, you'll probably find that you have a lot more energy and enjoyment for the startup as well, just because you won't be just working 24 seven and on on the weekends and writing lots of papers and stuff um yeah that makes sense that's that's a big hope and kind of it also blocks all different areas of your life to give you a super simple example when when i started twitter um and it was in the beginning it was super nice to kind of see the tweets of all the different persons and i was thinking okay um what could I be talking about? But at the same time, if you work seven days a week, a lot of hours, I was just like, okay, I don't want to now sit down and think about what I could tweet about and how I could start this and how I could interact and read more about business stuff. Right now, I just feel like taking a nap or going to sleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> because it was simply a lot of work already. Um, so yeah, I could totally imagine that it not only kind of frees up a lot of time, but also mental space, creativity to kind of 
dip into different areas to kind of think a little bit more about the startup businesses, stuff like that again. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I really hope that kind of this digital nomad thing is as nice as I imagine it to be. Um, mm -hmm. Because, I mean, there will be a time shift of six hours um, that might be challenging. And I'm starting with Thailand for six weeks. And I really kind of did a lot of research. Where do I have good internet connection? Where could I go? What are yeah. different um, co-working spaces? And I will go four weeks. I will be in a co-living space. So it's like a hotel combined with a co-living space, at least if the website is correct and all the reviews. Um, internet should be super fast and nice. um, that shouldn't be any problem. So let's see how that goes. Did you Were you using Nomadlist to do all your like research? Um, partly. I was partly doing it. Um, yeah was was very cool. helpful yeah yeah so what i could imagine i think nomad or nomading could be fun for sure um i think that i mean obviously it just kind of depends on like which stage of life you're in like we have little kids so i probably i wouldn't really want to or could really do that right now mm -hmm. um i think it what will probably be uh new about it is like if you're like moving around all the time, um, like I could see it just being a little bit uncomfortable, obviously being in new places um, fairly often and just like getting into a rhythm of that and like getting used to new places. Like I could see that being a little challenging potentially, um, but I think I think it could be fun for sure. Um, are you are you going all on your own or do you are you going with your girlfriend? No, I'm going with my girlfriend for the first four weeks so it's not only me at least for the beginning and then she will take a flight back home because um, her employer said okay there's like a maximum number of days where you don't need to worry about the tech situation that much um, so she will stay for the first um, four weeks and then I will spend another two weeks um, on my own in Thailand and then let's see where it goes um, from from there um, but I think you brought a very good point up um, that it totally depends on kind of the state you're in. And currently mm -hmm. I don't have children, um, but mm -hmm. at some point I might. Um, so I see it kind of as the last kind of realistic opportunity to do that before there are more children. And then you kind of have the obligation to be there for them. And I think traveling with them is like super hard. So I want to try yeah. it um, before that big change might might come to my life. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, any other updates about Mara that you wanted to talk about? Um, we could start with exclusivity because I mean we were oh, yeah. discussing it. <laughs> we were discussing it last time, and I loved your reaction. Um, I think you just said straight away, "Okay, they can't do it. Um, that's just not possible." <laughs> And yeah, we had a lot of discussions and our solution for it was to tell them two things. So first of all, if you or if they want to have exclusivity, that might be possible, but then it needs to be a very limited number of competitors and it is not for free. So if they want to have kind of exclusivity, they need to pay for it and can't be too cheap. 
Um, so that was the solution we went with and we told them and they came back and before that they told us, okay, that's really a must have. We need to have that. And then they came back and were like, okay, you know, um, we totally understand that there needs to be a price tag for that. Um, but because of that, let's start um, without exclusivity for the beginning. And that was exactly what we wanted. Um, so the big learning was there probably that kind of putting a price tag um, on feature requests or contract requests like that sometimes really helps to get the other party thinking, is it really that important? And for us, it helped that they told us we can we can go without exclusivity, what was um, quite amazing for us. Yeah, well, that's cool. That's good to hear. I wonder what they're thinking, because it's like, if they really want exclusivity, like if you start out with not having it and say you go and get some other customers that are start using it and then they're like, oh, now we want exclusivity. Like, I don't know, like how can they, how can they do that at that point? It's like, you can't just like kick off your other customers or it's like, they would have to like, then it actually is pretty valuable for you guys. So it's like, they would have to like mm -hmm. buy out all the other, I don't know, subscriptions or something of your, of their competitors. I, I feel like if they don't do it from the start, like it probably just isn't going to happen for them if they want to have that later down the road. So I don't know if that, if it really makes sense, I guess, for them. I, I Yeah, I have the same kind of feeling. At the same time, I get the point. I think they want to kind of test how valuable our solution is really for their own customers. So is it only like a nice to have and they are fine with their competitors having it or is it really a thing that kind of, I don't know, they can earn a lot of money and get new customers from. And I think if that would be the case, they would be willing to put kind of extra money on the table to pay for exclusivity or what could also be a realistic scenario um, by the startup. So I think that happens quite often instead of wanting exclusivity that kind of the big company simply kind of um, tries to buy the, the startup to simply get this exclusivity. Mm, um, I think yeah. that would also be an option. Um, and Wait, I mean, that they would acquire be too you? bad for us. Yeah, that could could be an option, yeah. Mm, interesting. Let's see. Um, but I mean, they, they didn't um, tell us anything about it. Um, but one of these platforms kind of longer time ago was already about to acquire us. Um, so I think it's not that unusual that something like that happens. And yeah, yeah, that's a whole different story. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So if I remember right, these are hotels, right? Like, or hotel chains that are, are using Mara for this? So we are selling it mostly to hotels, but those API customers that are review management platforms. So they mm -hmm. normally serve a big audience, not only hotels, but also supermarkets, cinemas, pretty much everything you can think of that gets a lot of reviews. And the idea is you don't want to go to 10 different platforms, have a look at your reviews, but you want to have, for example, one joint inbox, um, you want to have uh, reminders, um, you want to answer your reviews for different places. So features like that, it simply helps you mm -hmm. to manage it. 
Um, so they have a ton of um, people with a lot of reviews. So the feature to answer automatically to reviews could be super valuable um, for them. So yeah, currently I, was I see that French, it's almost, yeah. I could almost see, like it almost seems like eventually if you guys grow, like you could be kind of competing with them. Like it's kind of doing some of the same stuff. Um, and I could see how they would want what you're doing um, if it's valuable to like make it really easy for people to review uh, or answer mm -hmm. reviews and stuff. Um, and, interesting. And that's a, and that's a very good point because it is not that easy from a strategic standpoint, because at the one hand side for us, it's an amazing growth channel. If we have like one platform that really pushes our product, um, that means a lot of growth for us at the same time. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Um, we then have a strong partnership with them and we shouldn't compete with them. So we shouldn't build the management features into our product to become a um, direct competitor. So it is an amazing opportunity. And for sure, you can kind of grow way faster because they already have a ton of customers. But on the other hand, it also kind of gives you some barriers, what you can't do if you become really kind of strong partners with them so or maybe you still can i mean this is this is i feel like what happens in the startup world is like it you know it's this is like how competition works and stuff is like a lot of times people that are the right kind of companies to partner together you know things change they grow they they kind of switch their offerings their product offerings and a lot of times those are the same companies that eventually start kind of competing against each other, even though they're partners. And a lot of times, you know, one of those is like, oh, that I want to acquire you or like, you know, mm. just because there's already, if you're, if you're close enough as a company solution to be partners, then usually like you're, you're serving the same customers. There's a lot of synergies there. Um, so a lot of times those are the companies that end up kind of competing. It's like a weird relationship, right? Because it's like, oh, we're kind of partners, but we're kind of like competing with you a little bit. And there's like this weird line to walk on. Um, but then eventually that could turn into them acquiring you or something. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of normal, maybe in, in like startup mm. business world. It it totally might be. But I think there's kind of the, the right balance to find because mm -hmm. i mean obviously when we now partner we don't want to kind of do the great marketing push and be like okay hey we are new, the new management platform and by the way we are better than all of our 10 uh, competitors we we at the same time kind of partner with um so i think you need to kind of find the right balance and you need to be a way less aggressive if you yeah. do the partnerships and that was actually one of the big points we were discussing a lot about when we were talking about what are the next big features to build how do we want to grow what are the next marketing push so what is the right balance between kind of gaining market traction with hotels building additional features for them um, stuff they were asking for and kind of being a good partner for the API customers we we have right now to kind of ensure we have a good growth the, the next year. So let's see. And and one of the main conclusions was pretty much let's wait how the 
API contracts work out because there could be a huge potential. And obviously, if you talk with them, they're like, yeah, we can make it that big. And that's this amazing opportunity. And we really hope it will be like this. Um, yeah. But at the end, I think you need to wait a little bit. How is the usage for those partners? And then you can do like the right decision of um, what to what to do with it and how to kind of play play it. Yeah. That makes sense. But, uh, this is kind of off topic, but my my laptop just like popped, kind of like like a like popcorn <laughs> or something. <laughs> it, so I don't know what's happening, but my I feel like my MacBook. So I have like my MacBook's almost five years old, so it's getting a little old. But like, is it a MacBook Pro or what? Yeah, it's what a MacBook of... Pro, um, yeah. and it's kind of like bent. Like I've noticed recently that <laughs> it's like morphed or something, where like one of the like the feet is like off so like if you're like kind of pushing on it it kind of like teeters back and forth um like i don't know what happened like the the just the whole over the years that just the way i've used it or something like it's kind of bent a little bit and then like you you won't believe just... it you won't believe it i have an <laughs> ipad and i normally just put it in my bag and if there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of pressure on the ipad and it's totally mm. bended. It is like the same thing. Oh, it's super bended. Um, it's still working, be, but everyone is what asking, "What? Yeah, w what is wrong with your iPad?" And I think for me, it was like too much pressure in the in a bag. Um, that, yeah, that, that could be, be it because I put my laptop in a backpack, and yeah, if there's a ton of stuff in there, I could see how it could kind of be molded a little bit because there's mm -hmm. pressure on it. But then like the keyboard, like what it just did, it was just like pop up, like just randomly. It just kind of moved a little bit and made this like what? pop sound. So who knows? My my computer may be like dying as we speak and it might just like stop working at some point. Um, I oh, knew I was no. I knew I was going to have to get a new laptop. I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting a new MacBook, but it's like did, if you're going to get did you start good... research, did you are you a person that kind of puts a lot of research into getting a new laptop? Is it a big thing for you? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I mean, there's only so much research you can do when you know that you're going to get another Apple MacBook mm -hmm. and you just want one of the best ones. It's just, you know, <laughs> there's only a couple options <laughs> and they're all really good, but also really expensive. So it's just like preparing to uh, drop that amount of money on a new MacBook. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but that, that'll and, be fun. And I just, I just got a new one with the when the M1 chip was released. Um, oh, yeah. I was so pumped because I'm doing a lot of data science, not only for Mara, but on, also for my PhD. And I read like all the performance reports and how much faster you can do stuff. And I'm super happy with it. It's yeah, it's quite a quite an improvement. And I think my laptop was around four years old. So um, yeah, I could could see that this makes a lot of stuff easier for you to get the little performance boost on your on your yeah laptop. i've heard lots of good things about the m1 so i am excited i am excited about that um let's see i have a couple of updates should we jump through yeah. those let's let's go for it can't, okay can't wait so to, i think to hear them. i think maybe last time on the podcast i talked about how i'm making like this consultant tips notion consultant tips widget did i mention that at all um I think, um, and we didn't record it, but we were hacking around last week. Oh, um, I might have talked to you to about it. Yeah. Test out Dali and the possibilities to bring it in Notion. I think you mentioned it there, but not on the podcast. So maybe you could explain our listeners a little bit what it is. 
Okay, yeah, so really quickly, this is this is kind of what I've been up to the last, I don't know, three or four days. Um, plus, it was Thanksgiving, so I had a lot of turkey. But um, <laughs> yeah, so basically, the idea was to create a widget that just kind of gives nice Notion tips, just kind of randomly cycles through Notion tips. And then I got the tips from official Notion ambassadors. So Notion has these ambassadors that they kind of... Uh, I don't know, they kind of put them up as like official people to get expertise and um, learn from in the Notion kind of community. And so I reached out to probably like 40 of them, which I think there's probably like 50 of them. And Mm. probably half of those like gave me some tips and I just kind of put them all together, just made a really quick widget. Um, But it was kind of cool because it's, it's, it's kind of a nice way to interact with the consultants and kind of build some relationships with them, hopefully make something that's valuable for them. Like it's putting their name out there and when they put these widget, but then also it's hopefully valuable for new notion users. Um, and so I just launched that yesterday and tried to get, you know, a tweet going decently well around it. Um, that's where it also helps to have the, the ambassadors that are kind of wanting it to do well as well. So that, that was good. So that was one of the things I worked on and that's just like a free, uh, little widget. Um, so, so yeah. I, I just opened Twitter and saw the, saw the tweet. Um, so are oh, the ambassadors also sharing it kind of, did you tell them to share it with their audience? Because I could imagine that they have quite a big relevant followership. Right. They definitely have relevant followers. Um, yeah, so I mean, I mentioned all of them in the tweet. So some of them kind of interacted with it or retweeted it just from that. And then a little mm-hmm. later, I asked more of them to jump in and uh, maybe like share it if they could. Um, and so some of them did that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I mean, I think it has like 13 retweets. I'm looking now, it has like 5,500 views. Um, so yeah, like it's it's a good way to kind of collaborate with some people that are definitely in the Notion space and kind of get hopefully some new eyes on what I'm doing with the Potion Widgets stuff, get some people using those, and then also just knowing more about Potion. So that's kind of the plan with some of those. So I, I think it worked. It went pretty well with that. Not bad. Um, but that's not the only widget you're building, right? You're on, also doing the flower one? Yeah, so I I haven't talked, I don't know if I've talked about that one yet. Um, That one's still in progress, so I'll have to talk about that more later. Um, I'm still waiting kind of on the artists a little bit. So yeah, I'll I'll share more. I'll share more about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Flower power, secret flower. Um, Yeah. People are going to be really confused about what that is. Um, (laughs) I love the name. Keep keep them hanging. Let's see, something else I worked on recently was I wrote like a guest post um, for another website. And so this is kind of, you know, in attempts to try to make my ranking for SEO for my website Mm -hmm. better um, is I did like a guest post for a website that actually has a pretty good, like they have a pretty good domain ranking themselves. I think that's like 75 or so. So I was like, oh, this is a pretty good one to like spend some time on, make a good article, get some good backlinks to Potion. Um, and so I just wrote that article yesterday. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of the other thing. And then, so that was, but it's I mean, not, it's not on there yet or it's not on there yet. I think they're going to okay. post it on their website in a week or two. Um, so it, it will be soon. Um, and maybe, 
I just remembered that I think the one of the first podcasts we recorded, you actually did some advertisement. Um, we had a look at your yes, um, yeah, yeah. I should update everybody on that. So I did an advertisement on this forum called Notion Answers, and I paid four hundred dollars yeah. to put it up for two months. And mm. so far, it has not been very successful. <laughs> um, what, what does it mean? Well, so I think I've had 40, and I think it's been up for maybe three weeks now. It's had 40 mm. clicks. So 40 people have clicked on the ad. Um, and from that, I've had no conversions. So no one's converted to actually paying for Potion. Um, so yeah, I think there's just not a ton of traffic. Like there's not, there's probably mm. just not a ton of people seeing the ad. Um, so I don't know. It, it seems like it's just not the perfect place. And, and it's obviously my first time experimenting with an ad. So you never know with these things, I guess. Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out very well, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a fixed price and you get like all the clicks from there or does it depend how many people click it? Yeah. I mean, Yeah, so it's like I'm the sponsor of their website basically for two months. So mm -hmm. I'm like the main ad on their like front page and stuff. Um, so yeah, like you'd think that it would get a decent amount of traffic. But I think the the website is kind of a newer website, this Notion Answers website. And it's probably not getting a ton of traffic, even though he, he told me that they get like 15,000 uniques a month, which is a decent amount. So I would have figured it'd mm -hmm. be a little better than that. But um, yeah, it, it could just be like, how the website, like the niche of the website, the people that are coming to it, um, who knows? Um, so yeah, I, maybe I should look a little bit more into that or, or talk to him to see what, if he has any ideas of how he can make it better. Um, but so far that has kind of been a, a failure, but that's okay. It, it was, it was a little bet. <laughs> yeah. And I think you, you kind of need to get some benchmarking numbers. And for that reason, I could also, really imagine that it would be worth to spend some money in Google ads because I think it really helps you to get like a good benchmark of what you pay to at least bring a customer to your website and then you can start mm -hmm. compare different paid channels but I think especially for that Google is like a great source um, to get a good feeling of How much do I need to pay when I need or want to bring one kind of potential customer to to my website? And then you can really evaluate um, the the different channels because and for and for that reason, I think it's totally worth even if it didn't work out um, to kind of get some benchmarking numbers um, yeah. to start well, comparing did, different channels. I did look into Google Ads and when I was going to do like a, a potion related kind of advertisement, I think it was, it was somewhere from like a dollar to do to $2 a click of what it said it would be, which would definitely be a lot more expensive than whatever I'm paying for this ad. Um, well, I mm -hmm. guess if it gets enough uh, traffic clicking on it. Um, but yeah, I think Google ads is probably a little bit more expensive than if, you know, than like partnering with specific like niche websites and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but, yeah. but kind of if, let's say, it kind of because of that sponsoring, you get like 100 clicks on your website, it would be $4. I think you paid $400 for sponsoring mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be actually more 
expensive than, than than a Google ad. So, and for for that reason, I think if you have like good numbers in mind, you can then start to negotiate and tell them, hey, for Google ads, I paid that much. Um, can we kind of do a per click um, number and let's make it a little less than than for Google? So, I think it also gives you a little negotiation um, power because I think it's absolutely reasonable to to ask for that. Um, yeah, just yep. some 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 ideas um yeah, yeah how do good. you track them how do how do you attract the different campaigns so i just use rewardful which is an affiliate uh program that i have and i'll make like a, a link that has basically zero percent affiliate because it's my own but mm. it still allows you to track it which is nice because it it will track like the stripe transactions on the back end so it will show like mm. it'll be able to know that you got so many visits but then it will be able to tell you like how many of those is actually eventually uh, turned to paid. And so it's, it's really nice kind of, it's just really simple way of tracking some of these different kind of campaigns. Um, so that's what but I it's, Yeah, that, I thought so. And that was the reason why I was asking because we need a uh, um, am, ambassador program. How, how do you mm-hmm. call them? Um, affiliates, if, yeah. If, uh, yeah, program. we need an affiliate program um and we also need something to track um different campaigns um so i hoped i could use it for for both so that's good to to hear that you use it for both yeah yeah that would probably work um so the other thing is that it's kind of a little bit discouraging is i've been looking at my metrics for how my conversions have been going um so i mm-hmm. you know i switched to a free plan for potion almost a month ago now maybe maybe mm-hmm. six weeks ago even. Um, and so before the free plan, I had a seven-day trial with the credit card up front. And I was getting around, like on average, say two trials started a day. And then 40% of those would end up converting to paid. Um, so that was kind of what my conversion looked like then. So that would have been, you know, I don't know, maybe like seven, you know, maybe seven, six people, paying a week, like new customers paying a week. That's kind of where I was at. So now, now looking at my numbers that I've had a couple, you know, six weeks or so of conversions, I'm getting around 20 signups a day. So that's good. Like I'm getting 10 X the number of signups, but those are, you know, just free plan signups. Um, so, well, so on average, that's like 150 a week. Um, but then I'm, Right now, my conversion is like 2%. So 2% of those convert. And so that ends up being, you know, if you do the math, like three, like around three, maybe four paid customers a week. And so that's not good because that's like going backwards compared to doing the free trial. It's, oh, it's almost half the number of overall conversions a week. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think through <clears throat> like why that is or did you like make yeah go ahead did you yeah maybe let's dive a little deeper into into your your numbers did you start uh-huh. to analyze what happens with the free trials so let's say you have 140 150 free trials per week do they how many of them do create a website and do they drive any any traffic to your website um yeah so Let's see. Yeah, I do have that right here. So 80% of people that create an account 
create a site. Yeah. So they create, they at least start creating a, a website. So that's good. Like that's, a, I feel like that's a pretty good number, like 80%. Yeah, of that's people. decent. Um, <clears throat> I don't have at least pulled up right here. I don't have like a funnel created too much to see like what other actions they were doing or how long after. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, obviously there's some kind of drop off there where like either they're just fine using the free plan or they, you know, maybe they just stop using it at all. The one thing I have thought about is that, um, which I, I don't think I thought through this when I was first creating the free plan, is that it actually does incentivize people to wait a lot longer to start paying. Um, because when I had the seven day free trial, basically, even if someone was just like building their website and they had lots of time building their website and they weren't ready to launch yet, they would have to start paying seven days after that. And so during that time, they're paying. And so I didn't think of the actually, even if someone, you know, really wants to use the tool, they're using the tool, they probably aren't going to pay for it now until they're like, all right, I'm ready to launch this site. So like, it could be that people maybe take a month or two of like getting their site ready or doing different things, because maybe it's like a part time thing or who knows, but it just incentivizes them to stay on the free plan for a lot longer as they're building out the website. And then maybe once they're launched, like, all right, now I need my custom domain. Now I need some of these extra features because I'm actually launching. Um, so I think that could maybe be part of it is at least what I'm thinking a little bit um, is that people are just waiting longer because they can to go paid. And so that's maybe why my data is not as good yet as well, because it's only been like six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. Um, but that could be it as well. <clears throat> I'm, I'm definitely so, trying to figure out this, this like why, uh, that's, I want to yeah. know why this is going on. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be one of my thoughts. The second one is that I would really dig a little deeper into what they create, because let's say, I don't know, you get, um, 60, 50, whatever, 53, uh, tier pages from it and they actually drive additional revenue or they drive additional traffic to your page it would mean that you grow slower at the beginning but it could also mean that you kind of slowly build up this marketing flywheel because you get like more free sites they bring in more people they build right. additional signs they, sh they share it more so i would say if you see uplift in actually the, the usage of those free website, I would really think about having it for a little longer because right. it could mean that you need longer to ramp up. But then um, at some point, um, it's really worth it because they simply drive so much revenue to, or so much um, people to your site. And we discussed... Right. Um, we just cast Google ads and you say, okay, I pay, I don't know, a dollar per user. And if they bring it just for the infrastructure cost, you have to kind of build those sites. That could be a pretty good kind of deal when they do the marketing for you. So I think yeah. that's kind of missing information and maybe we kind of, you need to well, wait so a little the, longer. So the information <clears throat> I have so far on that, cause I also have mm -hmm. a rewardful link on basically like my potion badge that I put on the free websites. And so it yeah. shows that 179 or 191 visitors have come from clicking the badge and four of those have converted to paid. Um, so at least that's something. Um, and like you're saying, I feel like with, 
with that, like, who knows, like all it could take is like one person that has like a really big audience to use a free website for that to just like spike up and jump and become like way bigger. Um, and I feel like that's just kind of how the free plan will work a little bit. It's like, it's very dependent on who is creating the free websites and how much traffic that website's getting. Um, but yeah, so there, there's definitely some hope there that that could become better and more worth it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's still, the other thing I'm doing is kind of just tweaking some things. Like I was tweaking a little bit of my emails, outgoing emails to try to make them better for just like encouraging people to upgrade that are on the free plan. And then also like triggering some emails to like ask questions to just learn more, like ask like, Hey, why haven't you, you know, it's been seven days or whatever since you created your website. Like, why haven't you upgraded yet? Um, and just like trying to get some feedback from some customers. Um, so what, yeah, I'm trying to learn. What is the response rate? What is the response rate on those emails? Um, well, I just, that one I just added. So that one's a new one. Um, I, in the past I've had like a, an email that it would, it would, it would trigger after they had created a website, but they hadn't converted, um, to paid like five days after. And, hmm. um, I don't know. The response rate for that was pretty low. Probably it was probably like 1% or two, two or 3% of people that would reply to that. Um, so you, because one thing you could try, um, that was actually pretty helpful in our case is to have some either some feedback system in the app or some kind of live or near live um, chat widget um, mm -hmm. because then you can see who's online and actually start chatting at them and if they notice okay that's not like this body message but there's actually a person um, sitting there chatting with me um, more people respond and what we learned what is super helpful is people will approach you if they have a question and if you help them solve their question, they are super open to give you feedback. And I think then yeah. it's a great opportunity to ask them, Hey, I noticed you're already on the free plan for, I don't know, four weeks. Why didn't you upgrade? What are the reasons? And people, after you help them, people are way more open to kind of talk to you. And for, for us that work better than just sending out those standardized, um, emails because yeah i mean i also don't really answer them because i get a ton yeah. of them um, yeah that could be one additional option to to try yeah definitely you know i'm helping people in support and i'm definitely trying to like ask questions and like understand you know or mm -hmm. if they end up not using it like why um yeah it's definitely a place to get more feedback um so yeah that's one thing i'm kind of thinking about and working on like what's, trying to see what's your hypothesis what 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 do you want to do with it do you want to stay in the okay my opinion um would be to go a little longer for the free plan to collect data yeah. because i think just you telling me okay i had four persons um kind of becoming convert. paid customers or convert just from other people doing marketing for me that, that could really work. That looks like there is at least some potential there to get a really amazing marketing flywheel. Um, so I would go That's a little true. longer for it, test it a little bit more, collect more data and really test, is there a, a, a upwards trend? Um, so do you see that growing growing tra traffic? Um, yeah. That would be my opinion. What, what do you think? What's your plan? Um, yeah, I definitely am going to do it longer just to like mm -hmm. see how it goes. 
um, and hopefully tweak some things to make it better as well. The other thing that is is possible is that maybe this time of the year is just a bad time for potion, um, which mm. I wouldn't be surprised with because last year around December, like this time was probably one of the worst months, I think, for the business. Um, I don't know, like just end of the year, I feel like businesses start to like, people start to do less stuff. They're getting ready for Christmas and they're not starting new projects. It's just typically the kind of people that are starting new websites. It's more mm -hmm. like January and February where people are like, all right, now I'm starting something new. Um, so I think it's maybe also just a worse time. So I think that could also be playing into this of like why my numbers are always are kind of all of a sudden like worse maybe. Um, the other hypothesis that I have, because I know this is kind of true, is with the seven day free trial, I think a, you know, a percentage, some amount of those conversions are people that maybe aren't even building websites or are not that serious about it. Um, because I do, you know, I have a decently highish churn and I've talked to people like, you know, when they churn and stuff, there's like, there's like a percentage of my churners that they just like start paying for, <laughs> they just start paying for potion for like a month or two. They never really used it. And then they're like, Oh, I, why am I using this? And then they kind of like churn at that point. Mm. And I think that a seven day free trial is maybe more like it, it almost, it, it, since it's automatic, like it just makes that happen more often where people that weren't really wanting to use it, just kind of use it. And that's when I, like, I've so had... pretty much when you, when you look in Stripe at this cohort analysis, you see there's like a high churn rate after one or two months. And then if yeah. they're over yep. those two or three months, they, um, kind of pretty good customers that stay for a long yep. time. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I think that this, the automatic seven-day trial catches more of those people where they're not really serious about using it. And so I, I'm just trying to like think through that because that that kind of changes my numbers a little bit. It makes it makes the conversions look better, but they're actually not really better, maybe compared to some of what the the free plan conversions are. Um, so yeah, I think it might just take a little bit of time, and then also just trying to tweak some things, make it a little better. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, but I think really collecting more data and digging a little bit deeper into the numbers that could be super valuable and also getting a feeling of, okay, what was the churn after the first two months? Is it then because you were talking about second, six to seven kind of customers per week in the old world? Um, but if you subtract those churning customers for that simply forgot to cancel it. Um, what, what are the numbers then? And yeah, I think waiting a little longer, digging a little deeper, um, I think makes totally sense. And really, I have the feeling that those four customers that came from visiting free websites, that's already a good proof point that that could work. Um, mm -hmm. That's actually mm -hmm. exciting news. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay. So the last thing I want to talk about with our, yes. our last little time here is, so I've been thinking a little bit about just the idea of like kind of how I should be spending my time with Potion and, and just the way I should see Potion. Like, should I see Potion as like my full-time thing that I spent all my time on, or should I see it as like a business that I'm kind of investing into with either time or with money? Um, cause I, I kind of was thinking, I forget who I was hearing talk about this, but just the idea that like SASs take kind of a long time to grow. Like it's kind of like that slow ramp of death that they go through where, 
you know, especially with a lot of my marketing has been focusing on like SEO related stuff. And it just takes a long time to see the results of that. And then at the same time, like, I don't know if I want to invest more time into like, obviously I could go crazy on the product and just like add tons of features. I could even Mm -hmm. like expand into other like tools or just, you, you know, you could just you, you can imagine with like a website builder, there's like a hundred things you could do to build onto it, to try to make it better. And just with me kind of doing this as a solo kind of indie hacker business, I don't know if I want to expand the product itself that much and invest all my time into that. Um, at least right now, I, I just don't know if that makes sense. Like it seems that would be kind of risky. Um, could you, could you give me a little bit of more framing? So looking back at the last four weeks, what would you say, how much time did you spend per week working on Potion? So if you kind of not one day is eight hours, but I was doing, I don't know, four hours of hacking around for other stuff and then two hours of watching videos or being on Twitter, just like the, mm-hmm. the time you really spend on marketing or building stuff for Potion. I mean, it's it's pretty much my full time thing for sure. Um, mm. I probably am spending like I don't know six hours a day, you know, because okay. some of the I'm spending the time I'm spending is probably more like eight hours, but I'm sure some of that is kind of wasted on like Twitter or you know other things yeah. <laughs> or listening to podcasts, things like that. So yeah, I'd say like a decent like solid six hours. So I am spending a lot of time on it. Um, but yeah, I was kind of thinking like, so if all I'm really trying to push forward right now is the SEO, the marketing, things like that, does it make sense for me to spend all my time doing that? Or is some of that just kind of a waiting game of just like letting that kind of happen on its own? And thinking about that, like maybe it, maybe it even makes sense for me to like pay somebody else, like an agency to like do all the SEO, like writing articles, doing the research, doing all that stuff. And maybe I just like go like, get some oh, like a part-time like gig making some money to pay for that or something i don't know i'm just like trying trying to think thinking about it a little bit differently like where does it make sense for me to invest into the business and does it make sense for me to spend all my time because and in some ways maybe what the, why i'm thinking about this is so like the last month you know i've been spending my time on this marketing stuff like some seo stuff like trying to make my website better ranking it better for um, Google. I've been working on like the Potion widgets, which is all really an SEO play of trying to get search traffic to Potion to see Potion. Um, and maybe the only reason I'm thinking about this is I haven't really seen any re- like, results from all that work yet. Like, or at least it feels that way. Like not, none of my metrics or traffic or rankings have really changed since that. And I know it's just like SEO takes time. Like it takes a mm-hmm. while. Um, and so maybe I'm just thinking like, oh, maybe this isn't worth me spending all my time doing, like, who knows if I get any results out of this. And that's why I'm thinking of that, but, or maybe it's like, this will be a big benefit to the business later on. And I should just keep doing the same thing. So I don't know. That's, that's what I'm kind of thinking through is like, could it make sense to like have someone else ramp up the SEO and me not spend all my time on it? I have a couple of thoughts. So first of all, I just thought what you, what you just mentioned, um, I think um kind of working on traction and SEO stuff is a long-term game and it would be beautiful to write a couple of articles and then all the numbers increase but i think it's more like waiting for six months and then kind of you see really the changes and then it's more about optimizing 
that and putting more effort into it. So um, I think kind of it is absolutely normal um, to, to have those thoughts. And I think you need to wait a little longer and waiting is part of it but i think it is also part of it to, to don't stop doing it so for that reason i really like the idea that you don't say okay i did it for more let's say two months and now i stop it um mm -hmm. because it was not working but you're thinking about okay could i pay someone else to to do it um and that brings yeah. me to to my second point because we um had pretty much the same situation so my co-founder Toby was um, doing the articles on his own and he was like, okay, that's taking a ton of time. And now I understood how it works. Um, yeah. We want to outsource it. And we were talking to a lot of um, people and our decision was if you kind of understood um, what it is about and if you're interested in it and kind of read about it, our thinking was it's not really worth to go with a agency because you pay like a pretty big premium for them to organize everything to do the strategy but at least for us it was the, the strategy part was fun digging into the numbers but what was not that much fun was writing all the articles and so on yeah. and so forth and for that reason, we were starting with different freelancers in parallel. We're talking to a lot of um, other startups and they told us um, you, get, you can get like really good articles for around $100 per, per article. So kind of managing the, the freelancers on the side is, at least for us, a way more valuable than having a bigger-ish agency that at least for us was costing away more than we yeah, would pay yeah. for for the different articles so that that would be one thing to maybe go for freelancers and do a little bit of the management stuff um you're at you on your own um to kind of save some costs and the kind of third thought i just had was um i mean it's always about the different opportunities so do you have so my big question would be what are the alternatives you are thinking about? Because if you don't spend most of your time on Potion, what would be the alternative? Uh, good question. So probably what it would be right now is just like doing some freelance work, like software development for some other businesses. Like maybe, maybe it was just like 10 or 20 hours a week of doing that for other business, like other startups. Um, you know, make some extra or more money that way. And then also maybe work on things that I'm excited about working on with that and just learning from that. Um, that would basically be the alternative. Um, and so do you, do you lean towards um, freelancing towards building other projects or doing combination of both? So yeah, where, probably a combination of both about? eventually, like, I think for now, like I would mostly just want to focus on like making a little extra money. Um, and then, yeah, like I definitely want to keep building businesses. That's, that's like a no brainer or not a question for me. So eventually, yeah, it would be like starting a new business, working out some different ideas. Um, but yeah, like it all, it all kind of depends on what's best for potion though, because like, I don't want to like leave potion dry and, um, 
like I want to build it to be a good business. I just want to do it in a way that's like investing the right amount of time and allocation into it to allow it to do well. Um, but then not, but at the same time, not be, be too risky to where I'm investing all my time into it. And it's not actually going any, or it's not growing more because of that. So like, that's where I'm kind of thinking, like, does it make sense for me to spend a hundred percent of my time on it, um, right now? But yeah, it's, it's a lot of questions. I'm, I'm still kind of deep in like figuring out what I even think myself about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I think um, it could absolutely make sense to do some freelancing. And I mean, this could also mean you not only earn extra money for yourself and your family, and that should be part of it, but you could also kind of earn a little bit of the freelancing money to reinvest it into Potion by, for example, right. paying content creation people, marketing people. Um, and I think especially if you're more on the development side and maybe marketing um, is a little bit more exhausting and you need to learn a lot of about it and force yourself i think that could be an amazing option to kind of do what you love kind of building new stuff as a freelancing mm -hmm. job and then reinvesting it in marketing for for potion i think that could be an amazing idea i think where i see a little danger is that right now you don't see potion grow as fast as you would like to see it to to grow And I mean, mm -hmm. all of us, we have like a ton of amazing ideas what we could do as second and third startup. And then you kind of start something new. And then there's this honeymoon phase of it's all, all new. Right. And I got my first customer in the second one. And it's so cool. And everyone's talking about it. And then you kind of <laughs> get like very distracted from Potion because I think every time you start a new thing, there is this honeymoon phase. And yep. I would say this is um a, a danger for potion so mm -hmm. um kind of working on on little kind of things that are fun to you absolutely fine doing freelancing also sounds like a great option starting something new as a startup on the side i could see the, the risk that um yeah. kind of it's a big distraction for you yeah um, no, i can so see that I would, yeah, yeah definitely yeah for sure All right. Well, uh, this is this has been a good long episode. So I don't. Uh, so thank you to everyone who's uh, listened this long. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we'll kind of keep talking about some of these things and sharing what's going on in a future episode. So thank you, Ingo, for being here. <laughs> thank you, and bye bye.